Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Off Mic, Off the Record. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. Joining me this week is a gentleman I found via Twitter video, maybe it was a late night YouTube, not sure. But somewhere down the wormhole. Somewhere down the wormhole in the death scroll, I found Mr. Landon Hoffman. How are you? Doing good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, thank you for making the drive out here um, on this. Um, was it warm? Was it cold? I don't know. December day. It was. It was rarely warm. Rarely warm. I got up to eighty-two, I believe. Good night. I don't know. I, it's Texas. We can, for years, have talked about how this weather just comes and goes. If you don't like it, wait around a minute. Yeah, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out what's going on. <laughs> Probably not though. No. So. <laughs> I have tried to describe your sound, and I can't. However, there's a caveat to this. A guest I had on many, many episodes ago described his sound as functory. Who said that? Bubba Bellin. Okay. And I think you fall into that category. A little funky, a little country, uh, a little... Hey, that's a first for me, and I'll tell you what, I like it. That's my Functory. <laughs> That's my favorite one, actually. I'm not just saying that because there's a mic in front of me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> I have to lean into the mic and do real radio voice. Right Funk tree. <laughs> I'll take it. It's cool. And again, I didn't trademark that. That came from somebody else. Uh, but I like to put, I don't like to put labels on artists, but I like to put you in that vein with, uh, with the, uh, the soulful crowd. The Grady Spencers, the Eric Willis's, the, the Vandarians, the... I don't know who all you want to consider peers, but I mean, that's the great thing about music and what's going on in the independent scene right now is there's so many different sounds that are just blending and it's ridiculously cool. It's so cool. It's a, it's a really cool time to be an artist. It's a really good time to listen to, you know, it, uh, it's a big influence, you know, on everybody. So I think that's important, you know, not it, influences everybody. Cause it's crazy. You say that, man, like, those guys, you know, had a big influence on my, it's, that's, I grew up on their, on their music. I grew up on local music. You know what I mean? That's good. So Eric Willis actually played at my uh, 16th birthday at my house. My dad surprised me. Yeah. EW. That's pretty cool. EW, he's a good friend of the show and a good friend of mine. I uh, just saw him a couple days ago. Right on. Um, with that beautiful uh, greenish, whatever color, um, Gibby, he's playing now. Oh yeah, that I green think, guitar is. I think just, I've seen a picture of that. That thing is gorgeous. It's pretty cool. So with diversity in tone and tone and melody, like we're talking about, and I, I hate the the canned question of influences, but you you kind of open that door, so I'm gonna take a step into it about um, listening, growing up with local music. How, how did you how, how did you get involved in the local music? I mean, was it listening? Did you just friend of a friend told you to listen to something, or what was it? Um, I guess it was really my brother. Uh, he kind of started getting into music when I was like in sixth grade. And, you know, we grew up playing ball. That's what we, that's all we did. We played sports. Well, you come you from a small I mean? Texas town. That's kind of the thing. I'm not originally from Brock. I'm, I grew up in Burleson and we moved to Brock in seventh grade. But anyways, I'm going, I'm going no, off you're track, good. But that's what the, that's what this podcast is about. Getting off track. I used to, uh. I used to go catch shows at Railhead on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Take my girlfriend at the time. Because they had, I mean, I remember popping in. We played like a seven-on-seven seven game at Alito. 
And we popped in at Railhead, and Zach Wilkerson was up there just ripping it. And I was like, what the hell, dude? Like, this guy's, this guy's, you know, I've been listening to his music for a while now. I was like, he's just hanging out here at Railhead. So I started going up there on Tuesdays, and uh, that was right around the time I started, like, just dabbling into playing guitar. Okay. So it's, I, I find it interesting. You know, I didn't grow up listening to, you know, like the classics. I grew up listening to people around the area. So it's, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for it though. Honestly, I am. Cause I get to learn all of it now, you know, there's, there's so much that people talk about in the different influences and in the different veins of music. And I think by being able to listen to a lot of, like you said, Eric and Zach and some of those other artists that are around here, we're, um, we're in a bubble and we're blessed to be in a bubble. For sure. There's so many good artists, but it's such good people is the thing. Genuine, genuine humans. That's the big thing for me, man. It's like I start meeting these guys, and you know they're just people, man. And you get to know them. You're like, gosh, man, like you're just some really cool cats. You know, they're they're really cool cats to get to know. Oh yeah. Uh, for many years, the line between artist and fan has been blurred, especially in Texas, but in the independent scene as a whole. And maybe because it is it is smaller listening rooms, the Railhead is a listening venue. It's a small – you're on a patio no more than 30 feet away from the artist. So it's right. always going to be – you're there. It's not like you're buying a ticket to go to an arena show, a Red Rocks or a – excuse me, a big American Airlines center top show. You're, you're in the mix with them, so you get to see it. And I think – Close and personal. Close and personal. And I think if you're not a, if you're not a good person, people see that. They do. I think so, too. Yeah, I think it keeps you honest. It keeps you honest about that. So that's that's really neat. Do you think I'm a good person, Aaron? Well, we've been in the room for a few minutes. I think you're a good he's person. Like he's a piece of shit. <laughs> Disclaimer, we'll, we'll answer that question at the end of the episode. <laughs> we'll talk about him when he leaves the house. <laughs> nah, man. I'm just I'm just grateful you, you wanted to come over here and chat with me for my tens of listeners. Yeah, man. It's good to be here. All ten of them, or 12, however many that are listening right now. So the writing process for you, you, you write for saying somebody who this is your first project, you're going into studio. Um, time's not linear, so we, we're not going to define that, but you're, you're writing has uh, got some flavor to it. Uh, I would like to say you maybe are an old soul with your writing a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's really just influences that I've picked up since, you know, that time. So like, you know, you start running into, all these kinds of different musics that you start to explore in, you know, you find that like, I found that I really enjoy sad songs. I really do enjoy sad songs for sure. Um, and I do love soul, but I start running into guys like Coulter wall and you start running into guys like Nathaniel Ratliff, uh, Marcus King, you know, you, then your, then your style starts to evolve as you go. But the thing is with these songs that I've, that will be on this record, they've i've been playing them like for a long time you know people say like because i'm a little younger you know and i know i'm young and i know i have a lot to learn a lot of dues to pay but i do know that if you jam some songs for a while and really let them kind of develop on its own and you do it with people that you love and they love the songs it's going to come out something i believe in that that it's going to come out something special right and that's why like like if i showed you a song that i wrote maybe like two years ago and I sang it, you would throw tomatoes at my face and you'd be like, dude, this is terrible. But I let myself, I felt, I feel like I was, cause I was, I was listening to these guys and I was like, man, 
I'm not that good. You know what I mean? So you let yourself develop and know you have to develop. And then when you come out with the thing, I feel real comfortable now to be able to do that, you know? Um, but I feel like I'm honest with myself enough to know when to pull the trigger for it. But that's, a, that's an important factor is being able to be honest. Right. I don't, I, 21, 42 or 56. I don't think it matters. I think being able to be honest with yourself, you're always going to be your biggest critic. For sure. You're going to be when it comes to music. Um, well, if you're not, you're not going to be successful. No, you won't. If you just listen to the yeses, you're never going to be successful. Yeah, for sure. Or, or you might find success and then you find that you lose it very quickly. Uh, and that's not a knock on anybody that says anything. That's just my perspective. We, we don't talk in facts on here. We talk in opinions. Uh, well, you know, if this, I don't have any expectation. I really don't. I mean, like I want to put something out super cool that I'm happy with because I have been so hard on myself. You know what I mean? And if it does pop cool, if not cool, you know, I'm here to play music. And <laughs> that's what matters. Yeah. As a songwriter, you have to be, as a singer songwriter, you have to be happy with your product first. For sure. Uh, I think if anybody who says they're not happy with their product when they put it out is lying to themselves or they wouldn't have recorded it or vested the time to go do it. So are you sure. doing a full project or an EP? No, we're going to do a full project. Ooh, coming out of the gate swinging. I like that. We are. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to do a few singles. Um before and uh and we caught some really cool stuff but uh definitely gonna put some a few singles out but i want to keep people guessing because i'm I'm super excited for this this yeah. album it's gonna i think every song has a different style has a different message so it, it'll be interesting to see what people think yeah for sure um Man, and that's that's the cool thing is you're going in without expectations. I think that is healthy because when you go in with an expectation, you're setting yourself up for failure or right. you're either underselling or overselling. Right. When you go in without expectations. I did the same thing with this podcast. I had zero expectations yeah, yeah. going into it. It's like if five people listen to this, sold. We're yeah. good for the first few episodes. You're not looking over your shoulder, man. Like you're just we're just like we're just hanging out, man. <laughs> I'm at the table talking. There you go. And you said this is your first podcast ever, but you've done radio interviews. I did. I did. I did one. With Jody Lee, our friend down in Stephenville. Good guy to know. He is a good guy to know, man. He, I love Jody. You want to talk about somebody who's going who's gonna to do you right. Jody is going to do you right. He's been in the business for many, many years. I've known him for God, 15 years and... One of the most genuine salt of the earth humans there is. He's never going to bullshit you. He's going to tell you straight. Yep. If he likes it, he's going to tell you he likes it. If he doesn't like it, he's going to. He might tell you it sucks. You never know. He's a pretty nice guy. He's a pretty nice guy. I don't know. He likes a lot of music, you know. So I mean, Jody's Jody's a man though in Stephenville. He he holds it down out there. He does. If you ever get a chance, ask him about a song he wrote several years or years ago called "By Felicia." Okay. Right. I'm serious. Next time you see him. That's what I'm saying, dude. Jody would just throw a curveball with the songs you write. See? <laughs> By Felicia. He don't care. He's, he's here for it. It's a song about a boat. Okay. And everybody was waving by Felicia. Most creative thing I think I've ever heard anybody ever do. Yeah. Um, Tongue-in-cheek kind of reference. Jody's cool like that. Uh, brilliant singer-songwriter. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on him for a second here. Uh, so there was one year... My wife's going to have to help remind me. We were at LJT seven years ago. 
and we're standing on the main stage and this is like on a Wednesday. So it's not like, like not rolling yet. It's yeah. not getting it. And, um, it might've been longer than that because six markets playing. So they were still together. So it might've been seven years ago. So six markets playing there and it's kind of, you know, it's like the sun's coming down. For those of you that don't know the Larry Joe Taylor, Texas music festival, the main stage, when you're at it, the sun kind of, if you're, if you're on stage facing it, the sun kind of sets over your left shoulder. And so we're sitting there on the side and, you know, we're just kind of jamming you know, sun's coming down. It's perfect weather. Then all of a sudden, it's like a full eclipse. Somebody walks up behind us. I'm a tall guy, and Jody's a pretty tall guy. Right. And I mean, the sun is just blocked out. And I go, I turn and look at him. I was like, there's three people on, on the face of this planet that are not NBA players that could do that, that would be on the stage right now. Yeah. Jody, I love you. And I can say this because we both did the same thing. He turns around. It was one of three people. It was either Bruce Robinson, Pat Green, Ray Benson. Pat, Pat, a tall guy? Pat's about 6'6". 6'6". Six, six, no. six, six. Well, Ray Benson's taller than that. Yeah. Ray Benson, sleep at the wheel? Well, I saw Bruce Robinson play in a Woodson at a little festival. He's 8'11". Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> it's Ray Benson standing behind us. And so I go to turn around, and I'm fangirling hard. Jody fangirls. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Mr. Benson, nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of your your music. The only reason I can tell tell him this is because he did it right before I did. We both did it at the same time. It was kind of a fangirl moment. <laughs> and Ray Benson's like, "Boys, thank you very much." Because you know he's a big, imposing human, and he's yeah. like, "Thank you very much." And he says that, and then he kind of leans over and he goes, "Jody, I like your music too." And Ray <laughs> and Jody's like, "What?" Ray Benson knows my songs. Yeah, and I'm like, "No, oh, it's because you do some funny shit." Yeah. Funny uh, off topic because we do get off topic here. Uh, so the bus that was asleep at the wheels bus, Steve Helms owns the bus now. And uh, before that, it was asleep at the wheel. Before that, it was Willie's second bus, I believe. So it's been kind of in the scene. Right. Ray Benson is so tall for him to fit into the bunk. They had to cut out where your head would normally be for his feet to go through into the closet of the back room. <laughs> That's how big this man is. His yeah. feet had to go through. And that also meant on the bus, he had to ride head facing the front of the bus. Okay. So normally on a bus, you, your feet are facing the direction you're going on the road. So it's not quite as weird. Those are like superhumans, aren't they? When you look at them, you're like, how, what did you eat? What are they feeding you to get that big? It doesn't really. Doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't really add up. I mean, I'm a small, I'm a little guy, you know. So when you're saying that, telling me a lot. He's huge. <laughs> Great guy. It's hilarious, though. He's a big guy. He's um, he's very cool. All right, we got off topic there. So the video that I most recently saw of yours. All right, no, I know what it was. I saw a video of you guys rehearsing. It looks like a, like a back patio or somebody's back room, a den maybe of a house, and you were doing uh, holes, witch holes. Witch holes, yes, sir. And then and I was like, yeah, this, this is awful. This has got a little groove to it. Like y'all are doing a little jam. And then I find a video of you at Jake and Dorothy's in Stephenville yep. doing that song acoustic. And I was like, oh, okay. We got a little bit more flair to this now. Tell me about that song. Tell me about your writing process. Where'd that come from? Um, you, you got to listen to the whole thing, right? hundred percent. Okay, cool. Um, so I was... I graduated high school, and then I got a job at Teskey Saddle Shop, and I was making 
you know, 10 bucks an hour and it was a good job, you know. Um, I was just, you know, I didn't like the whole standing around thing, you know, waiting for people to come in and then you start working. I like to, you know, learn, I guess. And uh, my brother was running a electrical crew and, um, well, he wasn't running it. The company, the company, you know, had the crew, but he was helping them yeah, know, yeah, yeah. on the ins and outs through the, through the project. I'm with you. Um, anyways, Logan's like, Logan's my brother and he was like, uh, was like, Hey man, come on, come work over here. And he goes, you know, we need a hand, you know, and we put in a cons furniture store right next to, uh, the Legrand Plaza. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, sir. It's just a little bit of a sketchy area. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was keeping on your toes during the day, but they got great food in that mall. Brilliant. You know, we got a, we got a massage one time and it was probably one of the worst massages I've ever had though. I won't lie in that mall. That's not really what I think about when I want to go get a massage. Now, for lunch, yes. Yeah. You know, they got some burritos. Oh, my goodness. As soon as you walk in. <laughs> it's an interesting it's an interesting place, for sure. I won't lie. But, uh, anyways, uh, long story short, he hired me on that job. And uh, it was like my first real job. That, and I, I, did, I really, like, enjoyed it. You know, I, I didn't mind the work. Um, but, you know, you start doing this back and forth you know you get on a you know get on a roll of you know doing the same thing every day and uh you know it's i tell people this all the time about my songs and it's not like a it's not like autobiography you know what i mean it's maybe it maybe it starts off as an inspiration from a situation that makes sense Uh but then i use it almost like i don't want it to be so plain and so uh you know dry that it you know it's like not interesting to listen to but I want it to make it relatable enough to where it could relate to a lot of people. You know, like I know a lot of people who, you know, hate their lives. I mean, I hate to sound like that, but they hate their lives, but they do what they got to do to pay the bills and to do the things they enjoy. But, you know, like that's what music is for me, man. Like I, I love to play music and I will always play music, you know, and uh, I don't view it as a job, but it's kind of like a. <laughs> like the holes you need to fill in is finding the things you love to do. And, you know, like this podcast, like we're hanging out. Yeah. I, like, I like podcasts. You like podcasts. That's why we're here. <laughs> we're having a good time, you know? Um, and I understand, you know, like, like there's, there's certain talents people have and don't have, but I also think, you know, everybody's meant to do something they love, you know, and yeah. make sure you make the time for that because I, you know, it, that, I don't want to give too many of my cookies away because they kind of carry into like that, the album. But, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, and honestly, like I didn't really look like one of my influences is John Mayer. And I heard him say one time, like, don't look for the, like for the message while you're writing it. Wait, like notice it after you write the song. If that makes sense. hundred percent. So like, I didn't know there was irony in it, but I wrote a line called, uh, or it says, uh, well, money can't buy you happiness, but lately it's surely helped. So, you know, this guy's, he knows that money's not everything, but it's helping him to get happy because, you know, he's having a hard time. And the next line is to get liquored up right in this pub on 50 Cent Wells. So it's irony because he's buying the cheapest drink in the bar. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and that didn't, and I won't lie, like I didn't plot that out. Like, I didn't think, I just was like, Hey, that's, that sounds and rolls off the tongue. Good. And then you kind of look back on it. You're like, all right, that works. Let's keep going. And, uh, that's kind of the process on that song just in particular, but yeah, I like it. You want to play it? Let's do it. 
It's my favorite song on the entire record, for sure. First out of the gate. That's what I like to hear. I think this will be our first one we're going to release, actually. Well, good timing, then. running pipe it was another hundred dollar day just taking my time after making a dime still sitting in that driveway and it ain't what i'm running from it's just what we're all running from turning dreams into nothing but kicking off my boots when i get home when i get These long days of work will get to changing a man Never thinking of who she's loving on or reading those old letters again With bills to pay and getting carried away with a handle of steam and whiskey I'd say it's safe to say if I caught a train out of this place Nobody would miss me Shovel's meant to dig Like a man's supposed to live Working away my time To come back to the same damn thing again Digs a hole in my soul And fighting demons and their friends And getting to find The holes I need to Money can't buy you happiness, but lately it's surely helped To get me liquored up right in this pub on 50 cent wells and Santa Fe don't seem far away on a map I'm gazing on Then again I'm drunker than the booze in the corner who calls this place home One of these days, I'm alright don't matter where, don't matter how, just straight into the sun. One of these days I'm a run from everything and everyone. Drown. I'm tired of trying to swim So one of these days I'm gonna walk around All these demons and their friends And get to find Well I'll get to knowing The whole 
holes I need to fill in Damn, Lyndon, that is a solid tune. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> ah, ooh, love that. Messed it up a little bit in the beginning. Nah. Hey, thank you very much. I that's appreciate a, that. That's the realness of music. It's not always perfect. It's not always, not everything works right, but I liked it. It's definitely a one-of-a-kind version. <laughs> hey, and you can only find it right here, folks. Yes, sir. I'm glad you dig it, man. I I, uh, I feel very confident in that. Um, I'm hearing like a like a cello and like a stand up bass with a bow and yeah, like a super super really. I I'm excited. I'm really excited to put this you, thing together, man. You got a you got a <laughs> got some string section going on there. I dig that. Yeah, yeah. You um you definitely have a varied bit of influence. Uh, I'm not going to label anyone as what I hear or compare you to anybody, but I hear of. That's fine. I hear a lot of. Uh, first of all, very unique. Uh, I can tell. I can hear a little bit of that John Mayer influence in there, um, but I can tell with your playing a uh, little, a uh, little bit of the uh, the rootsy kind of singer songwriting. Kind of Isabel. Okay, that's about it. <laughs> Isabel, that song, man. Like, uh, what's that? Oh gosh, why can't I think of it? Um, I'll, it'll hit me here in a little bit, but um, it's got. I love man. Esbell's rhythm is just he's it's Alabama Pines. That's it. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. I won't lie. You know, I mean that that kind of style. You know, it that song got me. You know, and uh, somebody take me home to those Alabama Pines. He's a genius, man. And uh, anyways, I like that rhythm, and I kind of wanted to make it my own. You know, so. Jason Isbell is probably, oh, I'm never going to say, I, I hate the question, who's your favorite songwriter? Because mine changes weekly, but Isbell's always in the top five for me. Yeah, um, for sure. Because he paints a picture that is specific to the way he writes and only he can deliver the message that way. Right. I'll say, I'll say that what makes Isbell different and there's a few that do it, but um, when you listen to Isbell's song, you got to listen again. And maybe one more time. And maybe you need to listen to it one more time to really understand what he's saying. Because it is so, you know, it's it's complex, you know, word. And that's, I know some people give him a bad rap because it's not like catchy and we can't party to it. But he's got some crazy metaphors and really, really cool ways of saying things. I'll I agree. say that. <laughs> I agree. One of my favorite lines uh, that Isabel, it's off Southeastern album uh, and it's on the flip side. On the backside, I listened to vinyl, so uh, I buried her so deep she touched the water table line. Yeah. Who the hell thinks about that? You know what I mean? Just right. his his imagery, the way he dis- his descriptors are, are right. very classic. I like it because he makes the listener work for it. Oh, good way of putting it that. I'll yeah. tell you that. I, I love how, and that's kind of what I like to do. I like to make the listener work because uh, it's, like it's like a muscle. You know, the more we listen, the more we can listen together. So, yeah. Iron iron sharpens iron. That's it. That's it right there. Iron sharpens iron. 
So with you just getting started in music and you said that you've, you, you've been playing for a few years, but this is your first project. How did, um, did the pandemic help you or hurt you the lockdown part? Um, so I've been playing like, I've been playing shows since I was 15. I've been, you know, gigging around. Um, I would say I started taking it seriously maybe around my junior year. So I guess that was four years ago. It's pretty crazy, but, um, now the pandemic, I was working at a marina at Possum Kingdom Lake. Okay. Cliffs Marina. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty good summer job for a college kid, you know. But I had uh, the whole month, I think it was the month of, it was either, it was April. I had the whole month of April booked up every weekend. And I was like, that's it, quitting my job. And then uh, the pandemic hit. And uh-oh. Yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and dwell. I mean, everybody suffered from it, you know, so I, I find it as a blessing more than anything, you know. That's the only way you can look at it. But, you know, then again, June came, made even more money, met even more people than I probably would have met, you know. You know, you start booking shows just because, you you know, you like playing and, you know, you play at birthday parties and, you know, wherever. But uh, I started getting some cool shows in June that year. I remember that. And uh, it was a really good month for me. But, uh, yeah, man, it definitely hurt me. <laughs> no, I got you. It hurt everybody. <laughs> it hurt everybody on that. I know some people, when you talk about some of the more seasoned people who toured a lot, they said they needed it for the rest. And I just was wondering from your perspective, and thank you for sharing, yeah. how, you know, because you're kind of a different space than maybe yeah. uh, a Zach Wilkerson would be sure. at or something like that, who's on the road 300 dates a year, whereas you're just starting a book. I just wanted to – it's always good for me to find out. And I think our listeners enjoy seeing the, the vast differences in the way people's careers work right. because there's no formula to this. There's no magic answer to what works and what doesn't, and I like to I like to peel that curtain back a little bit. Um, well, you know, I like to look at it like – you know, I'm on a cool podcast, and there's some – I saw you had Adam Hood on last week. I was like, that's that's really cool. You know, I grew up listening to them, and it's super humbling to be on something like this. But appreciate that. You know, Thank you. Yeah, I, I really, I'm honored to be here, man. It's it's a really cool. It's it's kind of weird, you know. I don't have any music yet, so <laughs> I'm glad you found me. I'm glad social media is there to make us uh, connected. But no, I like, um, you know, I can keep a day job my whole life and play music, and you know, I'm not here. I think we find the real musicians when they're not really here for the money. They're really here for the satisfaction of. I would agree with that. You know what I mean? Of actually uh, figuring out themselves for one, you know, I'm learning every day about myself, but uh, learning your craft, you know, and, and what, and what it's, what music's meant for you. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, so I try to keep my head there. For sure. So you talked about, you, you've touched on this a little bit and I'm just going to kind of circle back around. Um, you talked about in your writing process, especially with that first song, you played Witch Holes, uh, that um, it wasn't necessarily about you, but it has aspects of your life and what you've taken. How have you found that using embellishment in your writing or being able to write from another perspective, is that something you get into or is it you just kind of always start from maybe an experience you've had? Um, I know that's know, a strange question. I think, you know, I think music's, I think the biggest thing about music is people want to relate. You know, people want to like listen to the words and go, okay, yeah, that's happened to me here. I know what he's talking about. That happened to me yesterday or whatever. Like I wrote a song called Highway and uh, my roommate was a hunting guide and he called me. He's like, hey, dude, I keep falling asleep at the wheel. He's like, scaring the shit out of me. He's like, I think I'm going to wreck. 
So, you know, we talked on the phone for a little bit, waited till he got home. And uh, as a musician and really anybody who drives at night or even drives at all. Period. Yeah. It's a scary deal, you know. And so I, I go, OK, that's something everybody knows about. But then you can then you embellish from that point on. Right. You see what I'm saying? Then you make your, you know, you start adding things in that makes the song sound personal. And people then feel like, you know, it's all about who's listening. But like in that song, I, mean, I don't want to go into deep, but in that song, it's about like your, it's, I try to make the highway almost like a, like a person or like a, like a demon and you're fighting that demon okay? because it's trying to kill you because you're falling asleep. And so there's a line that says, uh, uh, thought maybe the highway was, or the chorus goes, thought maybe the highway was my friend, but here he is now tucking me in. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. So, um, I, that's just an example though. But honestly, I try to, I try to stay, um, I try to stay on my toes with songwriting, you know, like, like, like you said with Isabel, like, how does, like, where does that even come from? You know? Um, so I try to be, most of my songs right now for sure are uh, a lot of things I relate to, but you know, kind of, I kind of can see that happening as you start out, you know, learning how to get around lyrics, but, uh, yeah, I try to stay on my toes. I try to keep people guessing all the time. Yeah, so. uh, that's, that's a good thing. Do you do any co-writing? I've never done it. I've never done it. Um, I've tried to, and uh, I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just too mean or something. No, I'm not too mean. I'm just, I don't know. I just, it's when I write, man, like when I started writing, it was about, you know, you, you go through something. Yeah. Something bad happens in your life. And uh, it's a good way to cope with it. You know, you sit in your room, nobody's listening. You it's just, therapy. It's straight up therapy. I do. I play this for me. You know, this is what keeps me happy. It's not people's approval you know what i mean it's just the action of playing and singing so i guess that's a, a good way to go what is it will green said that jack ingram said whoever we're doing this 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 person said that that um i write songs for me and i write songs for you but the songs for me i may share with you but they're still for me yeah does that make sense yeah i'm probably just butchered that quote but no i think everybody gets, gets the right idea yeah it's uh Excuse me. Oh, good. Uh, music is very therapeutic. I've been writing uh, not just songs, poetry, yeah. prose. I write every single day. If I don't write, I feel like there's something missing. Yeah. Even if it's just like a little A, 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 B, B, like little rhyme, mm -hmm. rhyme scheme, or if I just journal or something, I feel like that's my therapy. My yeah. therapy is physically putting a pen in my hand and writing whatever's inside. Right without connotation or expectation getting clearing just, it just out just going in that moment man and just really just it's it's like if like if somebody loves going back to witch holes it's like if somebody lo like i love to go fish and i grew up fishing with my papa and hunting you know so um it's just like it's just like that you know if people go man i just have a bad day i need to go catch some fish you know yeah. that's how i like to look at it you know it's it's not like some magic potion it's just like man this is what i got to do to get my thoughts down you know so i guess Maybe me and you are weird, or maybe we're cool. You know, maybe we're both. <laughs> I am weird. I'm a weird guy too. I won't lie. Uh, but weird's cool. Yeah, weird is cool. I like weird people because I'm weird. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I get it. Um, it's all right. How many times did you rage quit that guitar when you first started? What'd you say? How many times did you rage quit guitar when you first started learning? 
I don't think I ever did. Really? Okay. Uh, the first song I ever learned how to play. So this this guitar that I just played that song on, um, my pop got my brother this guitar when he was in fifth grade, and I was a little kid. And my brother never picked it up. And over the years, the strings would break. There's actually, I'll tell you a funny story after this. But um, anyways, there was like three strings on this guitar. And I, I, my uncle, who was a, a really good musician, he taught me how to play Smoke on the Water, just on one string. <laughs> yeah, you know the deal. And so I would just play that over and over and over. And I just loved it, you know. And then finally, we got six strings. And so then I would play it individually on each string all the way down and then all the way back up. And I think that kind of gave me a good you know a feeling of where all the strings are and how to use my picking individually in between the strings and then uh i started to learn um the first song okay i will tell you this i quit on i quit on my first song okay um it was jolene um but it was zach brown covered it and um and i i apologize but book fuffalo just sent me who originally wrote it and i love that version i just do you know who it is? I can't think of it right now. Uh-uh. I can find it, but anyways, I quit on that song, and then uh, it was Dolly Parton. Was, no, 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 not Jolene. Jo- it's a cocaine flame in my bloodstream. Oh, okay, I was thinking of like the original Dolly Parton. When I hit Spokane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's a beautiful song. Now I, you can let me get find me. it. Now I gotta find now it. Now you have to look it up because we gotta settle this because it's in my mind. It's just it's disrespectful, man. I gotta we gotta know. Um, it's the power of the internet is we can look these things up. So uh, Buck sent me a a playlist. We, he started sharing music with me and stuff. We kind of you know spit stuff off with each other or whatever. And he sent me this uh, playlist. He calls it homework. Ooh, <laughs> smart man. Let me see here. I'll have to send you a playlist of homework on it too. Yeah, for sure. Like like I said, you know, he sent me some uh, iron and wine, and I was like, dude, I don't know who that is. Ray LaMontagne. Yep, Ray LaMontagne. Brilliant songwriter. Oh, my gosh. As soon as I heard that song, and I think he he covered – so Zach Brown covered it with uh, Spotify. Like they did the Spotify sessions. Mm -hmm. Just murdered it, man. He plays that classical, you know. I was like, man, that's a beautiful song. I wanted to learn it. uh, I need to learn it. Okay, I'm with you. You want to look up somebody that's really just going to blow your mind? Jeffrey Martin. Jeffrey Martin. Okay. He, he's from uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, he, he's just a West Coast guy. I've really got dug into his songs the last couple of years. I'm talking about albums that are four and five years old. Right you want to talk about just a gut punch when you listen to somebody write and sing? He'll knock you out. Second one is Caitlin Smith. Do you ever listen to Caitlin Smith? I've never heard of her. I won't lie. On the drive home tonight, I'm gonna I'm gonna build you a playlist when we get done here, and it's gonna yeah, yeah. be Caitlin Smith. And hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. She's gonna rock your socks when you when you find out what she's written. Mm-hmm. She's gonna blow you away. I believe it. I, I would I would put her as the female Chris Stapleton. Okay, all right. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah, she's got a Garth Brooks cut, an Old Dominion cut, Megan Trainer cut, <laughs> Trisha that, cut. See, that's what's up right there. She's hitting it from all directions, and so she's cool. brilliant. That's awesome. Have you mentioned Chris Stapleton on your top? Is he on your top five? Oh yeah, yeah. My, my you see, talk my, about overall hits. Uh, all right. So if you had to pick five songwriters that you would say are your favorite songwriters right now, because it changes and it's it's allowed to change, you can go and then I'll tell you mine. Or do you want me to go first while you're thinking? You go first. Top five as of today, because it will change. Yeah. Uh, Guy Clark. Okay. 
Caitlin Smith, Jason Isbell. I'm blanking on the guy's name right now. Uh, and we've talked about him many times on this podcast. Yeah, he was a huge writer in the 90s. He wrote John Deere Green, Bubba Shot the Jukebox, uh, Goodbye Earl. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. Anyway, him. Okay. Uh, and then um, probably Jeffrey Martin right now because that's I've been really digging in his stuff. But if you pull him off, then it's going to be Holly Williams after that. Okay. I'll tell you this, man. Like I only, I only know Isabel. I'll, I'll be straight up with you, man. Oh yeah, I got, I got some stuff. So for send me, send me all that, man. I'd love to listen. You never heard Holly Williams before? <laughs> we'll say it on there, man. I, I, like I said, dude, I didn't grow up on music. I'm just learning every day. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Holly Williams will knock your socks off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It is Hank Williams' granddaughter. Okay. Not Hank Senior. I mean Hank the Second. We're talking the other side. Right. I mean, she is that, but. She writes a song about her grandmother and her grandfather on the other side. Okay. And I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's going to she's gonna blow you away. There's a lot of songwriters that I really have started liking that are not huge mainstream songwriters. Like Jeffrey Martin, like I can guarantee you maybe 3,000 people know who he is. Right. But when you hear him, it's just like, who the hell is this guy? Why the hell is he not huge? Um, yeah, I know what you mean. So Jeffrey Martin, if you're ever listening to my podcast and you decide you want to come down to Texas, please come sit in my living room and let's discuss music. <laughs> Tell us your secrets, man. Tell us your secrets. Now your turn, Mr. Mr. Landon, who are your five that you're, you're really passionate? Um, is both one. Um, I really have been really getting into Marcus King. Mm-hmm. Um, John Prine, John Prine's pretty. Are we are we doing living or are we doing? It don't matter. Rest in peace, John Prine. By the way, um, let's see here. Like I really do like a the aesthetic of it too, though. You know, that's a big thing for me is the aesthetic of songs. Uh, I think the most unique one right now is uh, Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats. And the Night Sweats, greatest band name ever. Oh, man, he's a he's got some cool ones. Um, I'll send you a link of a performance he did with like a classical guitar. I think it was for Pace Magazine or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is the Pace Studios. Okay. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance. Um, is that four? It's four. You owe, me, you owe me one. You owe me one. Let's see here. It's okay if you want to say Adam Hood. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Adam Hood. <laughs> it's kind of hard to deny him. I'll say Zach Wilkerson, man. I think he's, he think he's got it going on for real. Zach Wilkerson. Oh, Zach Wilkerson's a brilliant guy. I'm not just saying that, man. Not because he's a local guy, but... He's a he's a pretty talented fella. I've uh, haven't talked to him in a while, but Zach's a hell of an artist, great songwriter, great human. He's a good guy. Man, a- I'm skipping I'm skipping uh, I'm skipping old Grady. Grady's, I don't know, man. There's a lot of cool cats. I listen I listen to a lot of I won't lie. I listen to a lot of different music, but uh, definitely those are some big influences right now. I left Sean McConnell off, and he's one of my favorites. Yeah, Sean McConnell's cool. He's real cool. <laughs> yeah, I got my wife. Uh, Handwritten lyrics to Holy Days from him for I was like Valentine's Day or something like that last year. Right on. And I was like, you've got worse handwriting than I do, Sean McConnell. Mine's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. But I guess if you're doing handwritten lyrics, it's going to happen that way. What's the strangest merch thing you've ever had an idea for or you want to have an idea for? Merch? Merch. What's just like the most off-the-wall strange thing? Oh, gosh. I've never had any crazy. I'm trying to get merch going. <laughs> 
it's more i guess i guess the weird thing for my merch might be like the logos on it you know what i mean um we've had some pretty weird ones uh we had like a this graphic drawn for us it was like a i don't know it was like this uh guy in a spacesuit walking out of like a keyhole and then there was uh this kid uh his name's michael drew it for us he's a really talented graphic designer and uh it's like this guy walking out of this keyhole in a spacesuit and there's there's tentacles coming out of the keyhole and you look into space and i'll send you we we made it into a poster for uh when i went and opened for shea abshire for two shows one weekend and we made it a band poster so it'll be a cool poster but uh that's probably i i never have i let those i let those guys do their thing with it you know what i mean yeah yeah but you gotta have people that have that influence i heard lucas say he was wanting to do uh Something with the Crocs, like making your face on the Crocs. I was like, and Croc charms. Yeah. Like, like you know how the, the girls have the tennis bracelets they put the charms on? Right. He wants to do charms for Crocs. Right. That's that's pretty odd. I mean, I wear Crocs. I wear Crocs all day today. So I, I would wear them if I needed to, if I could have charms on them. If it supports live music. <laughs> if it supports live music, I'm wearing it. Support live music, people. Go buy your Croc charms. Go buy your Croc charms. Hey, man. Oh, that was a good one. I completely forgot that Lucas I'm said that. I'm glad think. you brought that up. Oh, and uh, a caveat to who you said you opened for, uh, we've officially renamed him. It's Shabshire. Okay. All right. Just next time you see him, just ask him, hey, did you change your name to Shabshire? <laughs> That's my dude, man. We I, think ha- I, I, I just kicked your mic. Yeah, it's I all good. I think I might go, uh, if we get done, I got to go do some stuff in Fort Worth, but they're playing, him and Buck Fuffler are playing at Bob's Off the Square tonight. So, Ooh, that's not that far from here. Sure. Bob's has been getting some serious names lately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bucky's been doing a good job up there, so it's it's a uh, it's good to see. I love that venue, I really do. Um, Shay got me in there actually. Shay's gotten me in, in, in excuse me. Shay's gotten me into quite a few venues actually. And nothing wrong with that. Not I can I can shamelessly say I've never been to Bob's. It's a cool spot. It's you feel like you're uh you're sitting in a backyard like somebody's there. There's just no burgers being cooked though. You know what I mean? It's just live music. <laughs> we have Del Norte here, sir. So you get the live music and you can have your West Texas stack layered enchiladas, however you want it, or nachos. Hey, I used to deliver uh, the wood. We used to deliver like two cords of wood. So I lived in uh, Stephenville when I went to Ranger Junior College at that sister college. And this guy paid us like 50 bucks for half day, 100 bucks for full day. And we would split wood and deliver it to Del Norte. That's some, uh, that's some hard work, man, splitting wood. Yeah, it is. But it's rewarding. It teaches you a lot about life. Works work, man. Hey, I'm with you there. So you said you got some other songs coming up on this EP. Do you have another one you want to share with me? Let's do it. I don't really have one in mind. You got one you've heard? Uh-uh. Dealer's Choice. Okay. I'm going to make you pick because I picked it. I, I, I kind of, I segued this to the first song. I'm going to let you segue to this one. Dealer's Choice. I'll play you this one. This one, uh, it's another sad one. I'm gonna leave the the heavier ones for the for the car whenever it's. I got you. I'm but, a purveyor of sad songs, so it's okay. The song was called Time Machine, but um, I'll show you a picture that I'm gonna. This is gonna be a single I'm gonna put out for sure. It means a lot to me. But um, it was called Time Machine, but I'm thinking about. Me and so I have an older brother, and we've been pretty close my whole life. And when we were younger, we'd call each other brother. Like, hey, brother! So I'm thinking about calling it brother. Okay. And uh, I'm here for this. He was nice enough to let me move in 
whenever I decided to not do college anymore. And uh, anyways, he's moved off now. And, uh, you start you start appreciating the time you have together, you know, because it's a uh, it goes by pretty quick. Yeah. So this song is we'll call it Time Machine Slash Brother. We don't know yet. Two-bed, one-bath Waiting on nothing, looking out the glass Window, it would have, could have been a good time Of the day to roll around in a mud pile Sure would have been a waste of our daylight Kenosha, Wisconsin To Dallas, now somewhere up in Wyoming Making a bit of good change That the family praise you've been saving We call every now and again a telephone that don't seem intent It's been raining every day since You rutted up the yard But that don't roll through Like it used to One time wasn't a dream here on my own dime Been trying to stay in line Keeping the place well kept I guess And brother I miss the days when we weren't so damn afraid And these days were what they seemed and a clock on a wall didn't feel so mean But that don't roll through Like it used to When time wasn't a dream No, it wasn't a dream That don't roll through like it used to. Yeah, I think that one's really good, and I definitely want to hear that as a single because I think you got a hit on your hands there. I'm not anybody who has anything, but I like that, and I will listen to that frequently. Oh, good you. song, man. Thank, thank you, you for sharing much. that. Yeah, I'm glad you like it that much, man. That's awesome. Is music a passion or an obsession for you? 
man, I've been doing, I've been studying your, your podcast, man. I was ready for this one today. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how you get ready for this question, dude. Where'd you find this question? 42 years of experience. <laughs> how did this question develop? Um, I think it's definitely not an obsession. I, okay. So here's the thing with it. All right. So I would say it's an obsession to an extent because you have to do it to make yourself, you know, function properly because you're not, you're at this point where it's done so much for you. Right. Uh huh. And it's also a passion because you're, it's never going to end. Like you're always going to keep pushing for something. It's not like nothing's never enough, but like the wormhole will always go like, man, there's, there's so much music that I'm, I am going to release that a lot of people aren't going to like, and that's okay. That's okay. But, uh, that's the passion is the fact that you're always chasing that never ending thing, I guess. And because you know, it's never ending. It's a, it's passion, I guess. Passion and obsession, man. Hit me with the hard. What do you think? It's a hard one. All right. I'm going to hit you with the metaphors here. Okay. The passion's the fire. Yeah. The obsession is the fact that you're going to keep cutting wood to throw on the fire. Oh. All right. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any fucking sense at all, but I just <laughs> came up with that. Hey, you look for the symbolism after. Yeah, look for the symbolism after. And I took that from you talking about doing firewood. So I was like, okay, <laughs> keep the fire going is the passion, but the firewood that you have to go chop yep. because you keep cutting it. That's the obsession. There you go. See, I learned something when I went to the colleges. And then you make good tacos at Del Norte. And then you make good tacos at Del Norte. And then everybody eats good. See how circle of life works out? It's greatness. How important is playing music with others for you? Um, not as important as listening to others. Okay. Explain. Um, because you don't get the same influence. I mean, I like to play music with people I like to be around and who make me, I like to be the worst musician in the room at all times. If I'm the best musician in the room, I'm I'm in the wrong room. Okay. Um, you know, so it's very, it's very important. Um, it's almost everything to listen to those people um you know like i'll go play shows with like the most challenging show i've ever done a song swap with and he's a really good friend of mine um buck buffalo because i've never i've never gone up against or not it's not going up against but i've never had to play after my cousin's hot (laughs) my cousin's hot you know what i mean so that like being around that you know that's like oh man like what a what a cool way to stretch my you know, genre or vocab or whatever. It's so important to be able to play with other people and, uh, in music and, uh, no, it's, it's everything, man. It's a community and we all push each other. Like, like the, uh, like Shay Abshaw, he's producing my record. He's helping me produce it or I'm not producing, but he's helping out. I told him, I was like, Hey man, if you're not honest with me, if you, if you hear something you don't like and you don't tell me, I'll be mad at you. You know what I mean? I'll be mad at you then. But until then, you tell me what you feel. Because that's why you're in the room, you know? So that's how I like to look at it. Music's a strange mistress. We all crave the honesty and the truth. But sometimes we don't realize we need to hear it till after the fact. It's the best thing to hear. 
Yes. It's the only Agreed. thing. I'm not telling you it's wrong. I just, Oh yeah. It's, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow whenever you get that and trying to understand how much you need it in right. that moment has got to be tough. Well, don't get, don't, oh. don't get me wrong. The water gets muddy, you know, like you got to know who to listen to, but that's where you have to be honest with yourself though, is like, all right, well, who do I, whose opinion do I value and who's do I not? Because there are so many, you know, you write a song that people like and they're going to start telling you what you need to do. And and don't take it as offensive, but you need to know who to listen to and what you want to listen to and the truth that you do want to hear. You know what I mean? Um, I guess if that makes any sense at no, all. No, it does. <laughs> but no, I love I love being able to sit into a room full of musicians and, you know, all egos out the door and we're sitting there really hashing on a song or maybe we're at a show and, you know, like I remember... I've I've learned so many I've learned so many things in just a year just by going, oh okay, he's right. <laughs> and you but you really gotta be able to take a step back and look at it. You know, and know like I know I'm young, you know what I mean? I've been playing and I've paid my dues a little bit, but I do know there's I'm not even halfway yet, you know. So if you can know that, then you can walk into a room. A little more clear-minded, in my opinion. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure. I love to come in that way. You know, I think it's a it's a good way to go about it yourself. You got to be honest with it. Do it's like anything else. Music is such it's a life. it's yeah. Music is such a unique business, but at the same time, it's life, and it parallels life a lot. And the art imitates life, and life imitates art. Senses when you're not honest, and you can be around people that are just yes people that. uh and this is not a knock on anybody. Please don't take offense to this. Sometimes a fan's going to be a fan of you no matter what you put out. I'll knock on them. <laughs> I'll knock on yes people all day long. I'm not talking about yes people. Think about the fan situation. You may right. have a person who's a fan of yours who's going to love everything you do. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's good. Right. Right. But yes people are. They're just there. <laughs> they're just there. Because everybody else is there. <laughs> uh, I've I've caught some shit in my day for uh I have a very broad stroke of what I like. Yeah. And so when I tell people I like something, if they don't like it, they're like, oh, I was like, yeah, but just because you don't like it and I like it doesn't mean it's good. It just means I like it. Right. Uh, but I've heard some stuff that people thought was amazing, and I was just like, I don't get it. Yeah. But that's okay. That's just me not getting it. Yeah, it's it's definitely okay because, you know, I couldn't imagine myself just walking around being like, yeah, dude, I love that. That sounds, you know, it because that's what not that's what music's about is being unique. You know what I mean? And yeah. That's what makes it unique. Music, art, sculpting, painting. All of it. It all it all matters. And it all and you have to be honest with it. And it's all the consumer. You said you want to be able to go on a journey and have a smart consumer who has to has to put a little thought into it. Yeah. If you're just a yes person, you'll you're never gonna get it. You right. might get it a couple times, but you're never gonna get it if you're just like, Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Right. Unfortunately, and well then I'll start writing songs, you know, that are not what I like to play, but now I'm now I'm fishing for people's approval. And don't do that. And now, no, that, I'm not. I'm saying that's like the complete opposite thing I'll ever want to do. Yeah. Um, I don't want to ever play a song like I my band. Like I, I ask every band member, like genuinely, do y'all really like to play this song? Do y'all like this song? You know, and and I tell them straight up, like same thing with Shay. You know, like be honest with me, man, because I don't want to sit on a stage. And you're going to like songs better than others, for sure. Of course. But I don't want you to sit up here and play a song you hate. You know what I mean? Because I appreciate their opinions, though, enough. Like, that says a lot about, you know, my guys. 
and uh i don't know man i i like the way i like the way that goes for me it's been working out i guess so yeah, for sure <laughs> So you said you worked at a marina on PK. What's the coolest boat you ever saw out synced out there? Oh, I saw this yacht that was. Um, we had a, a pretty small deck, and we had uh, we had two pumps, and uh, you could pump four boats at a time, and uh, we would catch the boats, you know, and they'd tip us. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, this guy had a yacht, and it said Fort Worth, Texas on it, and it was I. It stretched out probably about 15 feet outside of each side of the deck. It was the largest boat I've ever seen on a lake. And the entire time I was like, dude, why are you not in the ocean? Like, <laughs> you're on a lake in this thing? Like it, it was literally probably as big as the house I'm living in right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Floating on a lake. I was like, dude, I would be – I mean, I love PK. Don't get me wrong. That's a beautiful lake. I mean, good grief. Have you ever been to Possum Kingdom? Oh, yeah. Gosh, it's gorgeous. Fishing's great. Um, it was a great place to work. I remember the first day I pulled up to that job, and uh, they were kind of showing me the ins and outs or whatever in the store. And I look out the window, and I just see it. I heard an Audad just running up the side of the mountain. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's Audad out here? And sure enough, they're like a, you know, invasive species out there, I guess. Because they're, uh-huh. they're, I mean, if you think about it, it's just people all around there. Because I remember we'd be like surfing. My buddies, they have, you know, some boats, and we'll go out there and surf and have a good time. And I remember surfing out there. Somebody was surfing. We were looking out on the side of the cliff. There's just this huge, odd, like, this huge group of audit just chilling right there. Good. And I've never hunted audit or anything, but how cool, you know, to see them come up and down those. those steep, steep. Oh, it's, it's so cool how they can just go up and down and. You look at them and they're standing on this like one little cliff, like an island cliff. And then you're like, how did they get around that? You know, so it's, it was a great place to work. That's what they do. For sure. I, I noticed you're wearing a PK area hoodie, the Rocker B Ranch in Grayford, Texas. Did you ever make it out to any other back, uh, back roads festivals they had out there? Buckets and boots. Buckets and boots. Um, I think I went to one. Yeah, I think I went and Stony played, and I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Was it Travis Tritt was the headliner? No, I didn't make it to that one. Um, okay. I think I'm thinking of a different concert. I went. No, it's saw, the same concert. Travis Tritt headlined one year. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I was thinking of a different year. Um, oh, okay. But I went and saw I saw Co play, and I think it was Mickey and the Motor Cars played before Co, and then. Um, Gosh, he was after him. He was like Pat Green and then Randy Rogers. So it was, it was a cool show. Yeah, that was the Backroads Festival. That was the last yeah. one they did out there. Okay, yeah. I'll show you some video and go off air from that. Right on. That was a cool show, man. Because it was like it was like that time, you know, before Code blew up, where it was still, you know, pretty. I wouldn't say a small crowd, but you could get, you know, you can get up there. It wasn't like a mosh pit or anything. Were you there when the storm blew through? Oh yeah, I was for sure. Right. Yeah, we drank through it. Did you, where'd y'all go when the storm blew? Did you go to the parking lot or did you go to the barn? Oh, no. I don't think, did it right? Right after Mickey played, like a massive storm blew through and they evacuated the whole area. I don't know. I, honestly, I was in high school. I was, I didn't have much body fat on me. I was pretty drunk. <laughs> so I can tell you. A few beers ago. <laughs> um, we, our show uh, that we did previously, TXRDR, we were uh, handled all the MC duties for it and everything. And I was on stage when that storm hit. I'll show you some video from it. And 
you could feel the lightning. Yeah. So that's why we we had to have everyone evacuate. We ran back. Shake the bones a little bit. Yeah. And we ran back around there and we were sitting. uh, They have like, so at Rockerby Ranch, the stage sat on top of a major league diamond that he had. This guy has, Lance Bird has at his place there. And the field, the infield and the outfield is where the crowd was. Behind that was a massive, I don't know how big that barn is. And beside it is where they have a giant banquet hall. They moved all the artists into the banquet hall. Anybody who was working the event went into the banquet hall. And they had this massive porch off the back of it. We were all on that porch back there. That wind got serious. Yeah. Like serious. Yeah. And I remember everyone was just grabbing guitars, running off the stage, going, just get them under the cover. Well, the landscape out there is so interesting. It's it's beautiful, though. Like, okay, so where Rockerby is, it's kind of in almost a valley or a mm-hmm. canyon, you know, so that wind could probably tunnel in right there. Yep. And some crazy storms. I've seen some wild storms just come in and out right there at PK. It's it's a really cool place to be. Beautiful land out there. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's super quiet out there. I drove an hour to work every day, and I loved it. People are like, are you driving an hour? You're you're driving an hour a day to go work for ten dollars an hour. But they didn't think about those cats with yachts, you know, stretch out beyond your deck, tipping you, you know, tipping you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, here's a couple bucks. And you know, you walk, watching some girls walk around in bikinis. Nothing wrong with that. Catch a boat after you know you get off work. To, I mean, it was kind of hard to bitch about, man. It was a really good job. It sounds like it. And I love that driving morning. That's where I checked out some podcasts, man. There you go. Uh, I grew up on Richland Chambers Reservoir in the East Texas. Okay. Uh, not quite as big as PK, but a pretty good, a pretty good size lake. Where's uh, that at? Dirt? Other side of Corsicana. Okay. Between Corsicana and Palestine, Cayuga, Kearns okay. ish area. My dad's side's from uh, Dangerfield. Uh, not quite that far. Okay. About two hours closer this way. Okay. That's more Northeastern yeah, yeah. side. So your Texas is, is another like East Texas. That's where that's the thing about Texas. You can go to PK and look at all these ranges and beautiful landscapes, and then you go to East Texas and you see pine tree, like pine curtain, baby. Hey, East Texas is gorgeous, especially in the fall. Oh yeah, until you got to rake those pine needles. Yeah. We were at my uncle's house uh, for Thanksgiving, and he was—he's uh, got I don't know, ten acres out there, uh, almost a Canton, and he has to use uh, the bucket on the front end loader to scoop up the pine needles. That's how much. But, I mean, it's just, like, massive, massive pines all over his property. And he's like, I hate the pine needles. I'm like, but it's beautiful. And he's like, yeah. until you got to clean them up. Yeah. Do you it's remember that that fire they had out there not too long ago? Oh, yeah. My grandparents' place almost got wiped out. They were taking buckets from uh, PK – or, not sorry, not PK, uh, Lake of Pines mm-hmm. and dumping it on it. So, um, this is going to be way – this is going to show my age here because I'm double your age. Uh, when I was about – I was probably 18 or 19. We had a pretty big fire uh, down there. It was 13,000 acres. Oh, wow. Uh, it was like one of the driest summers. So it would have been 97 or 98. It was one of the Gosh. driest summers in, this, in the state. We'd gone 102 days without rain. Richland Chambers Reservoir was so dry. So Richland Chambers is Chambers Creek and Richland Creek. Right. And it's a giant V. Yeah. And you could walk a quarter mile from the boat dock to where Chambers Creek was walk. Yeah. That's how dry it was. Goodness. And, um, so they, yeah. And so uh, there's no telling somebody threw a cigarette out, whatever. It could have been anything. And I remember that summer, there was a lot of fires and it was, it wasn't close to where I went to high school, but it was like, 
same county. I just remember it might have been. I'm, I might be confused, but there was one that was like a tire fa- uh, tire yard caught on fire. Oh gosh! And that might have started. I don't know. I'm getting them confused, but there was a lot of fires. So this was in the '90s. Uh, the one you're talking about, you're talking about the one that was uh, further south that burned up the million acres? No, this was this was by my grandparents' place in Dangerfield. Okay. There was a bad one out there, too. Mm-hmm. It got pretty close. I remember um, I never made it out there because I was in school and stuff. But I remember my dad was like, he took off and was that back, close. About, yeah, like basically trying to save the place. <sighs> but, you know, what's crazy is like, you know, because there was a really bad fire at PK actually talking about it. Oh, that's where the Buckets and Boots Festival came from. Yeah. Hell's Gate caught but on fire. The craziest thing is, though, I hear people say, like, a wildfire is actually good for a natural forest. You know? I'm not a uh, I'm not a botanist or anything like I'm that. I'm not either, but <laughs> I like to believe it. I hope, gosh. <laughs> I, uh, I've heard it, too. Wildfire is good for the land. Yeah. We just got back from um, Colorado. Um, I turned 21 a couple weeks back, and my dad, I'm pretty spoiled. My dad took me up there, and we went snowboarding. I haven't snowboarded since first grade, but. Uh, the the pine beetles, I guess, is what they're called. Mm-hmm. Gosh, they're wiping them out up there. It's like you look up and you see all these pine trees and you see these beautiful green ones, and then in the middle of it, they're gray, and you can just see them just falling out. It's terrible, and they don't know what to do about it. It's invasive species. That's where that's where I think the wildfires come in handy is they get rid of invasive species, right. and only the natural ones are like I, mean, I don't know. I'm just talking on my ass here. Right. Um, uh, I know like the ones in our area, so. We were right on the edge of East Texas, so it wasn't quite pine trees yet, mm-hmm. but I mean, it was still wooded area, but yeah. we had a lot of cotton fields out there, oh, wow. and a lot of what yeah. burned off was uh, hackberries, yeah. invasive grasses, and I, I would have to drive out there. I don't want to lie to you, but the area looks so much cleaner now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Does that gra- I bet the grass is like super, super rich. Yes. In a... I don't know. I mean, I know they do out here uh, where the Bass family for the Bass Brothers, their ranch is right out uh, mm-hmm. down the road from here. And I've seen them do control burns out there many times. Right. Where they're like burning off right. whole pastures. Yeah. That's a big ranch. For sure. Um, I don't know. I wish I was smart enough to, I wish I was smart enough to tell you uh, why wildfires are good, you know, but it's uh, just not my um, expertise, man. Maybe I'll get somebody on here. Yeah, so. Get somebody that's smarter than me. <laughs> They're smarter than me because I don't know. That's all I know is that you definitely need to have clear cut and, and burn and burn lines and all that kind of stuff. And But I know they can be a scary thing. I don't know that one, that last one that was at PK, was it four years ago? The really rough one they had out there? Oh, it was so bad. It tore up a lot. Even just seeing that one light that was on the interstate by Ranger Hill, right. that one was pretty bad too. Now you'd, you'd see it over the cliffs when you're on the lake. I remember being out there just hanging out on the lake and we're like watching the smoke go up. I was in high school. But yeah, it was it was pretty sad. It's crazy. Natural disasters are a strange thing. Have you ever been around like a tornado or anything wild like that? Um, we had you know some tornadoes growing up. We had some hailstorms, but we I mean we hunkered down like once or twice. But you know we were little, and my mom was just being protective. You know? Oh, so nothing. nothing. No, I've never had. I'm I'm really blessed. You know, I've I got a healthy family and never never had to experience the craziness never had to experience anything like that i did um meet some people from canton because a tornado so my roommate that song called highway i was telling you about he's from canton and he's got family up there and they're really good people 
There's a venue up there I play at every now and again when I can. <clears throat> but anyways, a tornado ripped that place up. Oh, yeah. And this, we were sitting by the campfire drinking some beer, and uh, one of his friends from high school, she brought this guitar in like the super old case, and it was like a, I think it was like a 1968 D28 Martin. <laughs> something, something. Talk to me. I remember I opened it up, and I was like, what is this? And I, I wish I could tell you what it is, but... um Shout out to Carol. And uh, anyways, she let me play it, whatever. But she said that the whole house got destroyed and that Martin made it out. So thank you, Lord. <laughs> saving the Martin. <laughs> For saving that baby. Because they don't make them like they used to, man. I mean, this gal's pretty good. I like this Yamaha. But gosh, those those old Martins and the old Gibson. I, I really enjoy the old Gibsons, like the 1950s, 60s, you know, the old Dreadnought. Yeah, full bodied mm-hmm. dove or super dark. You know, I really. I mean, solid body. Chris Stapleton's guitar, man. That's like that's the guitar for me, honestly. As far as acoustic goes. Did you see um, how much uh, Kurt Cobain's guitar went for at auction? Mm-mm. So his daughter, uh, Kurt Cobain, and his daughter, Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love's daughter, when she got married, she gifted. Her father's guitar that he played when he did the Unplugged album and on MTV Unplugged to her husband. Yeah. And when they got divorced, he kept the guitar and said, hell with you, I'm going to auction it off. So he went to Sotheby's or something like that. $13.1 million. $13.1 million. Dollars, and it was it was an old Martin too. Like Dude. it was a sixties model Martin. It might have been a twenty eight. I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not smart enough to know what it was. I just know that was the left handed guitar he played on MTV's Unplugged and wrote that you know, all Isn't these that, massive hits on. Thirteen point one million dollar, a guitar, a guitar, a piece of wood with some metal on top. But is it really just that? No, there's definitely a voodoo about it for sure. I mean, I, I get the value. That's just insane. <laughs> you can do a lot of things with 13.1 $13. million. Dollars. You can do a lot of cool things with 13.1. I've always wondered, I, I tweeted this out the other day, uh, how much did Green Day pay for the Dookie album cover? I'm sure that was a friend from high school just drew it. That's kind of what I was thinking. But gosh, it'd be interesting to know. I say that, but it's really interesting and, and, and very unique. Yeah. My roommate has like the actual band poster and we got it in our living room. We'll just, you can just sit there for probably shoot 30, 45 minutes just checking out everything on there. Maybe not 35, 45. That'd be a long time. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> You'd be really dissecting it down. That came out when I was a sophomore <laughs> in high school, sir. Oh, right on. We cover a uh, brain stew at our shows. Yeah. It's a fun one. Green Day, man, that I can remember when I first got that CD because uh, we didn't have playlists and things like that. And I had just gotten a CD player a couple years before that. And I had got Green Day, Dookie, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, Offspring. I don't remember what album it was. Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill and Allison Chains. Uh, Did you ever get on that blink? In college, in college, uh, I did. Uh, in fact, there uh, it's got the cow on it. 
That album came out whenever I was a junior in college. And the song Going Away to College and Damn It and all that was on there. Dude Farm. That was the name of okay. it. Dude Ranch. Dude Ranch. That came out. That was like later college years. From I'm me. learning on my punk, man. I'm trying to learn my punk better because I do, I do enjoy it. Look up the band Phoenix TX. Phoenix TX. All right. Like L Phoenix, F E E N I X. Yeah. Phoenix TX. And then no effects. Okay. We, we got to do some schooling on the. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the old musics. Shoot them my way, man. Because all I'm going to do is listen to them. <laughs> um, Man, and I wish I wish band posters were a bigger deal these days because that like that was huge in yeah. my in my era growing up was band posters. Yeah. You wanted posters on the wall, bands hanging up on the wall. That's what we did. Yeah. It's not really, is that really a thing? And, that, and I guess you just have an NFT. Yeah, a picture on your phone. I don't know, man. I I like the I like the physical thing. You know what I mean? Like I I like to be able to hold it and look at it. That's what I move it around in my house. That's what I love about vinyl albums is album yeah. cover artwork. Oh gosh, my my Grammy uh, gave my brother like all of her vinyls, and uh, my brother left some at the house when he moved off. He took all the good ones. He took like a there was a Christmas album Elvis did, and that was Logan's favorite. I'll have a blue yeah. Christmas. Yeah, it's probably that one. Uh, vinyls are so cool. But, you know, like the physical copies and like the physical material nowadays is just, it's not as, you know, fast as it, as it is on the phone, you know, so it's, it's sad, but I'm going to, I'm going to put some band posters up for sure. I'm going to sell them at shows. Actually, I'm going to try to do like good uh, graphics for certain shows, you know, so. here's when it's going to blow your mind, getting together to have an album release party with friends and listen to an entire album. Yeah. No, definitely. We're gonna we're gonna drink some beer for sure whenever it happens. I'm talking about just as a fan. When Ragweed came out with the garage album, there was forty of us in Stevenville sitting around a campfire and what did we do? We listened to the garage album twice, start to finish. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Like I said, people don't do that shit anymore. I'm a little late. I'm a little late to the game, but it's all right. I'll, I just I'm just learning how to play the rules right now. So. Eh, there's no rules. <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> That's the rule. <laughs> so, Landon, I want to tell you thank you. We've been sitting here for the better part of an hour and a half already, just shooting the shit, Don't getting to know like each it, other. Man. No. And that was the whole premise behind starting this podcast, off mic and off the record. First half was off the mic conversations. I was asked for 13 years of doing radio and being involved in the business. What do you guys talk about when you're not on air? We get to know each other. We talk about life. We talk about air-conditioned restrooms. We talk about <laughs> Martin D28 from the 60s. We talk about that Yamaha and the story behind it. We just play catch-up. How's your dog? My dog's doing good, actually. She, See? Had, she had a good day today. There you go. That's that's the kinds of conversations we have. How's your dog? Uh, I'm sleeping. That's pretty good. And then our guest dog. Yeah, yeah. Our guest dog, Melody, who's here, is uh, Melody, who's from uh, the Montana's area, hanging out with us for a week. We're, we're dog-sitting. She's getting used to the climate, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. She walks outside and goes, uh, this is supposed to be December. What the hell is going on? <laughs> it's 80. So that was it. That was the off-mic portion of this. The second half is off the record. I've always been fascinated with new music, and my fascination for new music is how I consumed it. It's not music to the cosmos or new music to the world. It's new music to me. I love finding new music, much like how I found your music. Scrolling late at night. Oh, what is this? Listen to it a couple times over. Uh, and some of my best memories have been 
in rooms I probably shouldn't have been in. Right. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. Um, so you know who uh, Slam Jones is? Mm-hmm. He plays keys for Micron. Love that dude. Great guy. Uh, he got me to play at the Slam show at, at Thursdays. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a slow night or whatever. Um, I think the Cowboys were playing or something. Right. You know how it goes. But anyways, we go over to Filthy McNasty's and uh, we go over there and, and one of my buddies was playing and he, he just goes, hey, man, hop up in there. And so I get up on this on the stage and, you know, I'm sitting here. Like, I don't know. I don't know any of these any of these cats. And they both sing one. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Where did, what did I get myself into? And that's a Wednesday at 2 o'clock in the morning in the stockyards. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Room you weren't supposed to be in, but you wound up in. Yeah. So that's how I like to consume music. For sure. And I always ask the guest um, to close the show out with a song that hasn't been recorded. In your case, I think we're okay because you haven't released anything. So dealer's choice again. You get I know to which cl- one I'm going to play, man. This one. You had this one plotted, didn't you? This one's going to be. This one's going to be hidden for a long time. Okay. It's, it's changed so much over the like I've, I've we've probably played this five different ways. Um, but I'm going to play you the original way I wrote it. This one didn't make it, yeah, but it's it's my favorite song, really. This one's called Rain Dance. Sunsets down my leather still don't touch the ground. Every time I see you look up into the stars, and I'm not really sure how to get around this little mountain town. I hate the tears after coming so damn far. So Shine and the world. 
play with the stars on me. sharing that song sure that was super fun it's gonna be really weird because i had to just edit where i just said all that last five minutes yeah so yeah um so we can find you on the socials uh youtube you have a channel under your name landon hoffman we can find you on the twitter we can find you on the instagram uh not on the myspace because you're too young to know the myspace i don't really know what that's all about yet but you joked about it at your shows yeah we're gonna we're gonna bring myspace back though it's one of my uh it's one of my goals in life. So, oh, see, there you go. You can have some shirts with the right. keyhole with the tentacles coming through and the guy, and on the back it says, yeah. Make my space mine again. It'll just be my space, though. You know, I'll just make it mine. Oh, oh I like what you did there. <laughs> Metaphors. So, when you see Landon Hoffman's name on the marquee, make sure you stop in, say hi, please buy the merch because he will have it. Uh, shake hands, uh, support independent music, no support local artist and independent. Uh, artists everywhere because it matters and sharing the follows the tweets the facebook whatever's know that every bit of that matters know that as we continue down this path look forward to seeing what you've got coming in the future you said you'll be playing at magnolia motor lounge on january 13th on a wednesday night 19th, opening, 19th. so close i almost had it all remembered 19th opening for shay absar at the one and only magnolia motor lounge uh, our local venue of enjoy it while it's here people <sighs> enjoy it while it's here it's a magical place i've only got to go in there for so many times but uh gosh what a cool vibe you know i mean such good people in there so y'all come support magnolia um it's not gonna be there for very much longer no we only got it a few more times all right sir mr landon thank you again for stopping by sharing songs and sharing stories thanks for having me man i've had a blast it's been fun Till next time friends aaron bentley off mic off the record adios Off Mike, Off the Record is a Blacktop Poetry production. For more insight into your favorite independent artists and all things behind the scenes and in between, visit blacktoppoetry.com. Our theme is provided by Austin Upchurch. Go check them out at austinupchurch.com. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. And if you made it this far, you're either really bored or you fell asleep. Either way, thank you for your support, and I'll catch you next time. Adios. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay.